So the identity, true identity, what do you want to base it on? On beliefs? You know, we're full of BS beliefs, you know, all raised in patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. But if you base your identity on your authentic values, you embody your values in your identity, that's the way to go. Are you over 40? Do you feel like you're stuck? Maybe you've always had this knowing that you're meant to do more. Well, on the other side of fear is exhilaration. Your life has purpose. You were born to make an impact. Dear Midlife is about triumphing over life's adversities together and empowering women over 40 to navigate with strength and courage all of the messiness of life. Hi, I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, full-time single mother of two teenage girls, world traveler, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired little girl living in a grown woman's body that's still full of spunk, charm, and sass with a sprinkle of some black girl magic. We are both a work in progress, and together we are here to link arms with you as we make it our mission to be our best selves and share tips, tricks, and expert advice through no-holds-barred conversations for navigating the ups and downs that come with living life in the middle. Aga Lavrinovich is a mom of two school-age girls and a stepmom to two college boys. After becoming a mother and discovering that nothing about motherhood was really as predicted, Aga dedicated years to her personal healing and realized that empowering moms and creating community are her passions. In her 40s, she quit her oil and gas consulting career to go back to school and receive a coaching certificate. Aga left Poland at age 22 and lived in five countries on two continents before she moved to Seattle in 2011. As a life coach, Aga is committed to deconstructing the common image of motherhood promoted by our culture, and she helps moms find ease, settle into their maternal identity, and get grounded in their feminine power. Trinity and I were particularly enthusiastic to talk to Aga because we've become a little obsessed with this idea of identity. We think that we spend so much time pouring of ourselves into other people as the wife, as the mother, as the Girl Scout troop leader, as the career woman, and we give over ourselves and really our identity into these personas so that we can support and help our families, our loved ones, but we reach a place in midlife where we start to have the opportunity to reflect, who am I? And which of these personas are no longer serving me anymore? And who do I want to be in the future? And so Aga really helps us walk through what are some tools, tips, and techniques that we can use to reclaim our own personal identities. So If you're really enjoying the Dear Midlife podcast, we ask that you please take the opportunity to leave us a review, let us know what you think, continue to listen, and share with a friend. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. And without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Aga Lavrinovich. Today, we welcome to the podcast, Aga Lavrinovich, and she is a life coach to badass type A women. I know you are out there in our audience. Yes, yes. And she is here with her practice called Choose Clarity to help us understand this journey that we are on and to possibly give us some tips and tricks to shed our type A 
personas and to lean into who we are and find our authentic identity and live that fully and strongly. So Aga, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much, lady, for having me. And thanks for this amazing intro, Shelby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are super enthusiastic to have you here today with us. And so I know that you two are a badass woman. And so I would love to know what was your journey to bring you to this space where you are here helping other type A personalities like ourselves Try and get rid of that mindset and lean into a new identity authentically. What led you to this place? The simplest answer answer perhaps would be my children. Um, Before having my children and stepchildren, I was in a career in an oil and gas industry. Um, It was a very interesting career, international. I traveled a lot, lived in several countries. worked on oil rigs as well as in offices. And when I met the love of my life, which is my husband, um, I was working in the Netherlands. I had great job. I had, you know, I had a life I liked, you know, and then at that point of my life, if someone would suggest I would ever do something else, that would be kind of weird for me because Mm. I really loved it. It was very interesting. And I worked with very cool people. So um, fast forward to me moving to America in 2011. I first became a part-time stepmom to uh, pre-teens and teens. Um, I was very lucky though, because my, my stepsons are really cool and very sweet. Uh, but still, you know, having jumping into the role in a different culture, jumping into yes. the role of stepmom, it's confusing for everyone. You know, what is my role as a stepmom? You know, I I can't be just their friend because I also am their caregiver. Right. And shortly after, I gave birth to my first child, and um, so I while transitioning from the office job I had in the Netherlands. I decided to take some break, a little break to be a stay-at-home mom and then figured things out. And indeed, I started my consulting business in petrophysics when my baby was maybe 10 months old. So for one year I took a break and I was, you know, just figuring my new life on a new continent. And then I started this business and it went really well because I was very lucky. I had great um clients and I had a lot of connections and this work was needed. So after a while, I noticed that having this business, which was quite successful, makes me quite unhappy because I end up not seeing my kids enough. So feeling like I'm failing and now who else ever felt that, right? And then I felt also like I'm a lousy petrophysicist because I don't really even like, I don't have any ambition in that area. You know, the Funny, Aga, I'm a lousy petrophysicist as well. Just, you know, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> I know, but you know, here's, I, I, you know, I felt like I'm not as good as I really like being in my job. Yeah, That was also, it. and you know, and thanks for saying that Trinity, because that was part of me being a type A, you know, I wanted to be- right you know, the perfect mom and the perfect, you know, business owner and the perfect, you know, customer service, whatever. 
And actually all this, this combination of having these two roles exhausted me to this extent that I started feeling bitter, resentful. And basically, you know, and I never slept because of course my young babies, <laughs> I was pregnant and at some point with my second. And, and I just re- realized when my second daughter was about half, half a year old, I decided that I can do that because I, I just didn't want to live this life, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's how I started meditating. And this brought me, you know, fast forward, brought me to the idea that this is what I should be doing because moms are very unsupported. And one more thought I want to throw out here as well is this. When I had my cool career, I felt like the patriarchy is the story of the past. My life was so different than my ancestral women. So different, right? I had money, adventures, travels. Right. right. You know, the thing is that I, I, I felt like I, I, I had no idea because I thought, you know, oh my gosh, what are, what are they talking about? The patriarchy? Fine. We've got, but then after having kids, you realize there's this first stage of invisibility of a woman. When you become a mother, this is the first time you're kind of facing the invisibility, hmm. you know, like, so what do you do? I'm a mom. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yes. End of conversation, right? Yes. Which typically means, especially when you have toddlers, it means, do I get a shower today? Maybe, maybe not. Did I eat? I don't know. I don't, I, I might've found a Twinkie behind the couch and had that, you know, I mean, it's like everything you do is for those little heartbeats, those little breathing babies that you, uh, you, you go out the window. Yeah. You lose your identity especially when you had such a deeply rooted identity and who you were and what you were doing and the people that you were engaged with in your career, that must've been quite a shift. Yes. And, you know, it made me realize many things along the way, but it's, it's at first, Shelby, that was this huge grief about even quitting the petrophysics. My ego did not want to let go of it mm. because, you know, what do you do? I'm a petrophysicist. How cool does it sound, right? Like, it sounds super fancy. It sounds super right? fancy. So my ego really liked it, seriously. Yes. <laughs> and did not want to let it go. And obviously I grieved that, but then I discovered what the identity really is, this bullshit of identity, you know? <laughs> That's interesting. Shelby and I have been talking a lot about kind of the different personas that we take on as women and, and then the shedding of those personas. So, you know, we talk about you, you had to shed that early career woman and then put on this persona of mother as the children grow and leave you as they do, as mine is doing, although he's sleeping in the other room right now, he still is not thinking about mom, right? He's 20. He's like, I've got better things to think about. So it's beginning the shedding of that persona as well. And in that, we were just talking about this, I think yesterday, there is this grieving of the loss of these personas, these these personalities and personas that we've taken on. And as we shift from one to another, it's like you're grieving the loss of a friend, of the habits, of the behaviors. And even though many of those habits and behaviors didn't serve us because we're eating Twinkies that we found behind the couch for dinner just so we can make it through the day. It's still like this comfortable space and it's hard to let go of that. Very interesting. Um, Trinity, do you think that sometimes we miss this personas just because we feel like 
there was something to do so we could have done better. That's a huge part of it, especially for us perfectionist women, right? Right. Like but we look back, we're like, better. I could have done this better. But not even better in a sense of like perfect, but like so that we even at least felt better about it. Yeah. Yeah. We look back oftentimes with regret because we've manufactured these personas for reasons that really weren't authentic, transparent or or serving our best interests. And so as we shed the persona and you're like, well, now who the hell am I? Because I gave everything to this thing including all of me. And now I, now I'm sitting back here and as this thing is fading off into the sunset, I'm over here like empty because I gave it everything. I don't know who the hell I am anymore. Right. So I'd love to unpack that with you, Aga, and help us understand how you made that transition where you said you let go of that type A persona, that career businesswoman persona, and you came into this place where you were living a little bit more authentically. So how did you achieve that? What were the steps you took? I will tell you the steps I recommend to my clients. However, for me, because it was kind of a self-discovery, it was a bit different because I realized along the way, I, I did a lot of, you know, I, I did a lot of facing my shadow kind of work and mindfulness work really definitely helped me getting closer to myself and debunk this, you know, the, even the, the myth of identity. So before I, I say the steps, Shelby, is that okay if, I'm, if I talk a little bit about the identity? Please. So you see, for me, the identity of being this you know, badass engineer who travels the world, makes more money than my dad, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. I was so attached to it, you know, and for me, this identity was a survival. And also, it was kind of like, let's think about it. The first identity that we acquire is by pursuing some kind of validation from the external world. At school, you know, we get the good grades. Someone says, oh, yeah, my gosh, good girl. You got this amazing grades. And then we, we, you know, we become lawyers, doctors or whoever, whatever careers, whatever different career. But there's always this component of seeking validation. Right. So oftentimes for me, the, the wake up call was this, that I realized that actually when I got to the point that I was grieving not having this amazing identity that I used to have, Mm-hmm. I realized that actually this is not my identity anymore. This was some kind of bullshit that helped me survive. There was a lot of survival in there, for sure, for me personally. And for many people it is. But truly, it's kind of like a, we try to remedy low self-worth by pursuing things and like striving and being perfectionist, being type A's. The career, the achievements, the accomplishments don't really correlate with high self-worth. Mm. Because sometimes people who accomplish a lot, they were trying to please their moms, whoever was there in their life. Perhaps they never got validation, but they kept going because they wanted finally to get this prize. Because what we want, we want to be seen. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. So my first identity did not come from that place. It came from feeling that I'm loved and I'm doing something meaningful, but it came from the place of striving to be acknowledged. Mm. And, you know, and when I work with my clients, we often debunk it. So the identity, true identity, what do you want to base it on? On beliefs? You know, we're full of BS beliefs, you know, all raised in patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. But if you base your identity on your authentic values, you embody your values in your identity, that's the way to go. Does it make sense? 
Yes, it makes sense. So tell us what were the values you yourself uncovered and how did you get there? You know, while meditating, I discovered how important for me was compassion. And it was very surprising because I was all my life because, you know, to get where I was, you know, I was the first person in my family who actually got a college degree. Mm. I I was pushing myself really hard, you know, a lot of pushing, pushing through. Um, So there was not so much space for compassion. I was really very hard on myself and others, right? So discovering um, compassion while uh, I started practicing mindfulness was a huge thing for me. And I realized that this is something that I want to embody. And while I'm saying it, I'm still learning how to do it because it's not the mode that I was really, you know, thought to operate in. Right. Yeah. So, so I realized that, you know, basically right now I'm saying what I do is I often revisit my values because, you know, the values, the core values, you may shift it throughout your life. Sometimes some different things may be more important than others. Sometimes, you know, to jump to the 2.0 version of yourself, you, you need to change the values you embody because you got the other ones. You got it. It's instilled in your how you live. And sometimes I review it. But what I'm saying often is what my number one goal is right now in my life is to wake up and not be an asshole. <laughs> But now what do I need to not be an asshole, right? Well, I need good sleep. I need to eat well. (laughs) I need to connect with some friends. You know, all these things I need, I prioritize them in order to be able to show up the way I want to show up. I love that. I'm going to work on that, Shelby. Not being an (laughs) asshole when I wake up. That is good. I think that's something we can both work on for sure. Right. Here's what I love about that though, Aga, is that you know, like, here's the things that I need to have present in my life in order to not be an asshole, aka in order to operate in joy, in order to operate in a spirit of excitement, joy, adventure, whatever those things are that light my fire and give me that little ping inside, right? And so I guess how do you how do you hold yourself accountable to actually doing those things and making them happen? For me, it's really easy to get just, I wake up, I'm like, I hear you birds outside. Go birds. This is amazing. We're going to have a great day. And then I put my foot on the ground. I'm like, damn it. I'm just not ready to do this. And I'm in asshole mode far too quickly. And then I forget all of the wonderful things that I decided I was going to do in order to follow my joy that day. How do you hold yourself accountable? I actually don't hold myself accountable. Uh, here's why. First of all, I don't really like that. You know, I, I'm kind of an accountable person as I am. You by know, nature. I'm, I'm, I'm this kind of person who can work out in my basement, mm. you know, every day without paying for gyms. So I don't need this kind of accountability. I sign up, pay money. And that's why I, um, you know, I hold myself accountable. But uh, on the other hand, the compassion comes in really strong in here because there are some days when I do raise my voice in my kids. You know, there are some days when I make bad choices and yet I want to kind of keep myself, um, you know, compassionate towards myself. I want to be understanding. Okay, this is, this is what happened today. Maybe you're tired. What do you need? So there is another trick I want to I wanna tell you here. 
what my clients love. And I encourage everyone to ask themselves this one magic question all the time, as often as you can. What do I need right now? Mm. And I know this sounds kind of like a BS question, but look, women are not used to prioritizing themselves. So true. Right? So when we wake up, we often think about, you know, all the things we need to do for others, right? (laughs) And that's why the question, what do I need right now? It's really something that can steer you in the right direction. It can steer you off the, you know, whatever trends you think you should be following or the things that, you know, you should be maybe doing. And then if you ask yourself, what do I need right now? It can be so incredibly empowering. Mm. What are some examples of maybe some of the powerful responses that you've heard when asking that question? You know, this question is very useful even if you, you know, if you set your boundaries, for instance, because being clar- having clarity on how, you know, where your boundaries are is most important, right? So if, you, if you're ever in a situation of being res- resentful towards someone, you kind of feel like you want to blame someone, but then we direct our attention and power, you know, at, at something that we have no control over. Instead, if you redirect and put the spotlight on yourself and ask yourself, what do I need right now? It's really amazing. So for instance, you know, very common thing, okay? So tell me if you can, if you can relate to this, you know, if you live with someone, you know, with, with a partner or someone in your household, some other grown up person, and there's often some disagreements about the cleaning up, you know, who's leaving, you know, the house, how, etc. And for instance, the kitchen, that was, that was a big thing in my life for a long time. <laughs> you know, the, so, you know, everyone would leave my kids to school, my husband to work, and I'm, I'm working from home. So the kitchen, what a mess, right? And I can, of course, go in the direction of being blameful and resentful and say, oh my gosh, he never cleans the kitchen. And now I'm asking myself this question, what do I need right now? Okay, if I need a clean kitchen, then I have to figure out how to do it, either do it myself or ask someone to help. Or if I need to not be doing it, I just leave it, come upstairs to my serene office and close the door and I don't see it. Okay. Right? right. So it takes me out of this. The what do I need right now question really takes me out of this uh, disempowerment, you know, of, oh my gosh, I hate it right now. Because you always have a choice. You don't necessarily have a choice of, you know, what the situation is because you have no control over other people, what they do or don't do. But you have a choice of what you're going to do with what you have. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? It does. Yes. It does. And so what I'm wondering though, too, is where I think we get stuck in our personas is that I, how do you reconcile that with the demands of being a mother, of being a wife? You can ask yourself, what do I need right now? But you also have three other people or four other people saying, Hey, I need this from you. I need this from you. I need this from you right now. So how can you then cater to the people that you have to serve in life, as well as also be mindful that your needs are being met because it's difficult, I think, for us moms and wives. And, you know, again, going back maybe to that type A persona to balance those two things. And so when one has to take precedence, 
in my world, it's always been other people. So how do you get to a mindset shift where you can then start actually, in fact, putting yourself first, Mm -hmm. knowing that when Mm -hmm. you put that oxygen mask on yourself first, you're then better capable of helping others. So tell us how you've gotten there. Shelby, I so love it that you that you said that. And your question absolutely demonstrates how conditioned we are to take care of others. And I want to affirm you that you're not alone and I've been there. And I sometimes catch myself on that. Absolutely. But if you think about all the needs, you know, like as responsible moms, we will always feed our children. We'll always make sure that they they, they dressed appropriately for the weather. We always, you know, we'll pay the bills, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always this kind of noise of stuff that we make it, maybe can delegate or maybe can do later. You know what I mean? So I think and as moms and type A's, we always think about these big transformational things, you know, like yeah. self-care has to be five hours minimum, right? Or <laughs> even better. It's a three-month sabbatical, yeah. <laughs> exactly, or two weeks retreat, you know, without your family. <laughs> but the thing is that as moms, we truly may not have access, easy access to this amount of time. So that's why we have to take what, what we can, you know? And sometimes I think, if we women get used to prioritize our needs, we can get used to the concept that we can take little things from ourselves. Like for instance, you know, everyone is at home, the kids are not alone. You could now do something for family or maybe you can go around the block, possible, mm-hmm. right? And, or maybe, you know, like, because I what I am advocating for is not to add to any moms, any busy women to-do list, but to create shifts. So how do you create these shifts? Like for instance, when you fill your pasta pot with water, you know, right? I, I, I used to wait for this water to fill, but when is it going to fill up? No, I was so impatiently standing there contracting my whole being around this pasta pot. <laughs> what I do now, I take breaths. And sometimes when I take breaths, my pasta water is running in, you know, the pot, I noticed how how actually how great this is to oh my gosh feel the belly being soft from the breath that I'm just taking you know so I think and Shelby I hope this answered your question let me I want to know that if if it made sense to you what I just said because truly we we need small shifts throughout our our life to get used to even that because we're not used to the idea to you know, of prioritizing our needs. We don't even know often what our needs are. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great point. Right? Yeah, that is so. And again, you know, Trinity mentioned earlier that we've been talking about these personas because we wear these personas so regularly, we do lose ourselves in those personas. So what are, I guess, some ways that you can advocate that we can come to start understanding even fundamentally what are our own needs and then allowing ourselves to pursue those. I think my trick called take what you can is really fundamental here together with the question, what do I need right now? Because the take what you can is really like, you know, there are this idle moments between tasks, you know, the five minutes you know, and instead of contracting ourselves and trying to squeeze in and multitask, multitask, multitasking is something what women yeah. are so proud of, but it's a BS, of course, right? Yeah. It totally takes us out of the presence. And I think 
being aware of these moments where we can tune in with yourself, just feeling how, how does my body feel right now? Hmm. Or what do I need right now? You know, and this question is amazing because this question helps you determine whether you should work out right now or maybe you need a nap. Do you need to hydrate more or do you need to have to call your girlfriend? You know, so what do I need right now? You know, with the take what you can uh, trick, which is really even this five minutes when you're when you have time to walk around the block, even the five minutes to sit down and read your book. Yeah. Many moms who come to me, they say that they miss reading. You know, they never they they after children, they never have so much time to read as they used to have before. Many moms say that. So five minute timer and read for five minutes. You know, all these small things and perfections have, has, have a huge trouble with it because it has to be one hour stretch with a nice cup of tea. Everything has to be just exactly. so. Right? You yeah. hear me, Trinity, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I forget it. I don't have time to work out. So I'm yeah. just not ever going to do it again. If I can't win the next uh, marathon I'm training for, then why even bother training yeah. for a marathon? <laughs> and, and here's where the compassion comes in. And Shelby, I, I hope this even is like the cherry on top of my answer here, because even if you don't have five days or five hours to do self-care, but you have time to breathe while feeling the pasta pot, you know, yeah. Yeah. this counts. Acknowledge it. Okay, I just did something. That counts. Makes my body and soul feel better. I just went outside for five minutes or I walked my dog without my phone. Mm. stuff like that make it all count take what you can and make it count because it counts 10 minutes workout does count too okay well and it's funny you mentioned like that going somewhere without your phone right social conditioning as a mother and as a career woman an employee and for many as a wife like that's not acceptable you were not available to me this social conditioning doesn't allow for such. And I think there's so much many times mm-hmm. that we fear if I do the thing, if I take the five minute walk or the five hour break, or, you know, God forbid five days, five weeks somewhere that um, I'm racked with mom guilt, which I also think is another social conditioning yeah. um, curse. And so I'm curious your thoughts on how social conditioning plays in the way that women show up for themselves and show up for others oh it's certainly there's so many women definitely uh, live in a void of shoots Mm. you know if you are too available then you're you know you 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 just you know it's it's too much if you're going for five days oh no she's a lousy mom she doesn't care if you're too loud oh my gosh she is such a bitch right if you're too quiet you, oh, yeah, she's so meek. You know what I mean? So we need to live. We have this very, very small gap that we need to live in to not be too something or too something. You know what I mean? So this yes. is really hard. And guilt, oh, my gosh. This is like the number one reason why women, especially moms, contribute to the patriarchy. Mm. What all have you done to enable your partner out of guilt? Wow. That is a fascinating thought. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Chevy, what do you think? I'm curious what Chevy's thinking. She looks so tough. What I'm sitting here thinking is 
is that we do bring this to this guilt on ourselves to some extent. I've always thought, why is it that I can't go out for a night, a, a glass of wine with my friends without feeling this anxiety constantly throughout the entire, you know, moments with my friends? I can't even enjoy those moments because I'm always worried about what's happening at home. What's he doing? What, what am I burdening him with? in my absence. And I'm confident that the spouse probably isn't ruminating about those things when he's watching sports with his buddies. And so then I guess the question is, why is that? Where does this come from? And how do we, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. The way that we operate, the guilt that we carry is contributing to the patriarchy, but how do we step away from that then? How do we let go of the guilt? How do we lean into um, finding that joy for ourselves and taking those moments even? Mm, very good question. And Shelby, again, I'm going to refer to my previous, previous answers because truly it's about getting used to the idea that we also have needs, even though we're not used to it. We're not used to expressing them. But the more you connect it to yourself, the more you are able to even recognize your needs. And then you're able to prioritize them. You don't need to start huge. You know, you don't, you know if you're not used to leaving your family for a few hours, you can't go for five days, you know, as an example, but making it in small steps. And, you know, girls and boys, which is really important for us moms to notice, they're raised so differently. Mm. Boys are praised for all what they do. And, you know, and the girls are praised for what, who they are. She's so nice. She's so sweet. Mm. You know, so there's this action attached to the boys and some kind of like the way we need to be and make people feel a certain way, you know? And this conditioning is super strong with us, you know, in, within us. We, so many women are feeling responsible for how other people feel. But how, you know, of course, if you say something unkind to someone, of course, this person may feel bad. But if you're just being who you are and go about your life, if someone feels bad because of this, this is not your problem, right? Right. But so often women feel bad. So honestly, the only, the only way I see here is practicing self-compassion, because the more self-compassion you have for yourself, the more you see yourself for who you are, the more you can see other people for who they are. And, um, and really being connected to yourself, that you really are able to see what you need. And also, let me ask you this. Do you wish for your children to be confident, brave, speak up for the right things? Absolutely. Not being, you know, not letting people take advantage of them. Like, how would you feel if you see that your kid is taken advantage of by their friends? Horrible, right? Yeah, angry. Of course. Yes. Right. And how and I, now, become, I become the hand that rocks the cradle. <laughs> you the see, but the thing and, is, the kids don't listen what we say, but they just do what we do. So especially when we raise whoever we raise, actually, because when we raise girls, we don't want to, to give them this picture of mom being selfless, doing, you know, all the time, you know, being a, the victim of the family. And we don't want to give this idea to the boys either, because we want them to contribute. We want them to realize that everyone's time counts in the same way. It doesn't matter of gender, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because my son, like he has seen me go through a divorce to his father and he's, you know, he's 
remarkably understanding and intuitive and empathetic about all of that and, and sees how his father was a good dad, but just what a terrible husband he was. And he's able to see that and acknowledge it and, and declare for himself, that's not the type of man that I choose to be. I choose to be a man who is really loving towards my girlfriend and my mom and my friends. And even like him and his guy friends, when they're talking on the phone and they're about to hang out and they'll say, okay, I love you. All right, I love you too. You know, things that you just don't hear young men really do or say. And it, it makes me really proud. It makes me really proud, just his level of empathy and compassion and passion for being, being tuned in to who he is more than to what he does. And I think that's a, you know, a compliment to you, right? Because it's clear that what Aga is saying is that we model for our children the behaviors that we would like them to to carry and share to the world. So I think his empathy and his caring for others is a direct, you know, compliment to the behaviors that you've modeled for him. So I think we can all take that lesson and, Love that. and carry it with us. Yes. And I think it's, you know, it's so powerful because you're right. And I think I do also want to just pause and dwell for a moment because this is taking me back to a story that I had early in my career. And the story was that we were participating in a team building at the company. And it was this uh, exercise where they were writing words on the board and you had to identify the words that resonated with you. And I burst into tears. Surprise, surprise. I know Trinity's like, really? You cried? I'm a crier. Um, in the middle of the meeting, because the words not enough resonated. And so I did go to a coach actually and take a deeper dive into why that really resonated with me so much. And I think the mindset shift that I had in that moment was that I was trying in fact, to be all things to all people. And what I forgot was, and I felt like I could only do that if I wasn't spending so much time in my career but I actually did enjoy my career and I received fulfillment from my career at that time. And so the coach helped me to see that the joy and fulfillment that I was getting from my career was not wrong either. And that I could be successful in my career as a career woman and a good mother and a good wife and be all of these things. Mm. And that actually continuing with my career and pursuing my own interests were modeling for my children, my own self-worth, modeling for my children, success and drive and, you know, goals and achievement of goals. And so I, I respect the women like you, Aga, who have decided to step away from that busy career and that type A character and persona um, to pursue motherhood. But I also want to acknowledge for those of us who are you know, continuing with our careers, that that modeling, that that message of modeling still exists and that you are enough. And I acknowledge <laughs> what you're saying, Aga, too, that there, I do need to stop and ask myself, what do I need right now? And take some deep breaths and live in the moment when I'm in that space in my, my home and model those behaviors for my kids. But there is a lot to say about keeping your 
integrity within your own space and who you are as a person and pursuing those things that make you happy, even if it is your career. And, and, and so I think that's important as well to be said. Of course, this is a very important Shelby. Thanks for saying it because there are no wrong choices. It's just about how aligned you are with your choices. Because there's so much guilt in mom's world about pursuing the career and hiring nannies, staying at home. And then everyone would ask you, so how about your career? You went to school for so long. What about that? And so this is, there's always going to be some discomfort. That's why it's so important to be aligned with your choice. And Shelby, I really applaud you that after this epiphany of, you know, seeing the world not enough, you seek help and support. So great. Yes. And that's an important message as well, Aga. And so I know that you have your own coaching practice called Choose Clarity. And so tell us a little bit about where our audience can find you if they are seeking support so that they themselves can gain alignment with, with who they are. Thank you. Thank you, Shelby. So my website is chooseclarity, one word, dot I-O. And um, I also have an Instagram account where I mostly am on social media, um, which also the handle is chooseclarity.io. Um, you can also email me at aga at chooseclarity.io. And yeah, that's, that's where I am. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your tips with us today. So powerful in wherever you are in life or career or motherhood to gain that alignment. And I think that's so important. Thank you so much for your tips. Thank you, Aga. Thank you. Thank you so much to our guest today, Aga Labranovich, who was able to provide us some fantastic tips and tricks to deconstruct our identity and really rediscover what's important to us and what we need right now. Her tips were, one, our first identity that we acquire is by pursuing some kind of validation from the external world. And we do this for survival, but it may not be who we are. Two, your identity needs to be rooted in your values, not beliefs. Three, ask yourself, what do I need right now? Four, you can't control your circumstances but you do have a choice of what you're going to do with what you have. Five, take what you can get. Self-care doesn't need to take five hours. Take just five minutes to step into the sun or breathe while you fill that pasta pot with water. It all adds up. Six, there are no wrong choices. It's really about how aligned you are with your choices. Please take the opportunity to leave us a review and thanks for listening today.